Chapter 3 of P. Wee Harris, Fixer. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. P. Wee Harris, Fixer by Percy Keith Fitzhugh. Chapter 3 The Solemn Vow. Walter, what on earth are you doing out there? asked his distracted mother. I'm putting up my aerial and if anna kept mug in the cellar like you told her to do this cord wouldn't have gone all tangled up in the roof so i couldn't pull it away from him and he got all tangled up in it too because anna didn't keep him in the cellar like you told her to do i heard you and i lost a good coconut ball on account of her walter said miss harris you shouldn't be climbing and you shouldn't be eating coconut balls when you're just getting over the grip i didn't eat i told you well you come right in here and don't you climb around on that ledge again then i'm going to bring my stuff through here Pee-wee warned as he climbed in through the window i've got the first part all done now and all i've got to do is bring the aerial out and tie it to the cord that is on the roof off the porch and then all i have to do is go down and then climb the tree where the other end of the cord is and that way i can pull one end of the aerial out to the tree and after that all i have to do is go up and drop a cord with a lot of hooks and things it down onto the porch roof and get a hold of this end of the aerial and pull it up to the attic window and then i'll have the aerial stretched from the attic window to the tree where it can catch the sound waves d'ye see good heaven said elsie talk of sound waves Pee-wee now paused to glance about the litter which filled his sister's room the multicolored evidences of intensive manufacture were all about on the bed on the collapsible cutting table on and about the wickering sewing stand and in the jaws of the sewing machine there was a riot of color and a kind of atmosphere of cooperative integrity which even the masculine invader was conscious of this was no ordinary task of dressmaking a queer looking specimen of headgear with a face smile snake on the front of it to testify to that the eyes of the rival manufacturer were attracted to this cotton stuffed reptile with projecting tongues made off of a bent hairpin he glanced at a motley costume besprinkled with writhing serpents and among its other embellishments he recognized one as bearing a resemblance to the sphinx in his school geography Pee-wee had never inquired into the process of dressmaking, but here was a specimen of handiwork which caught his eye and set him gasping in wonder. Attached to the costume which rivaled futuristic wallpaper in its motley originality was a metal snake with red glass eyes. It was long and flexible. Pee-wee was a scout, a naturalist, a lover of wildlife, and he gazed longingly upon this serpent girdle. Walter, said his mother, I want you to promise me that you won't say a word, not a single word, to anybody, 
about the costume Elsie is going to wear at Mary Temple's masquerade. I want you to promise me that you won't even say that she has a big surprise. Do you think you can? I don't see why he can't stay in the house another two or three days, said Elsie, who was sitting at the machine. If Dad thinks he ought to stay home till Monday, he certainly won't lose much by staying home till Wednesday. If he doesn't go out, why then he can't talk? I don't see why you had to let him in. Because I'm not going to have him endangering his life on that coping, said Miss Harris. I might just as well send an item to the evening bungle, said Elsie, with an air of exasperated resignation. The Bridgeboro Daily paper was named the Bugle, but was more appropriately spoken as the Bungle. Every single guest at the masquerade will know I'm going as Queen Tut long before my costume is ready, the girl added. You shouldn't have mentioned the name, said Miss Harris. Oh, there's no hope of secrecy now, said Elsie. He's seen it. That's enough. It was at this point that Pee-wee exploded. He spoke, or rather he roared, not for himself alone, but for the Boy Scouts of America, which organization he had under his special care. That shows how much you know about Scouts, he thundered. Even, even if I knew, even if Queen Tut and she, an Egyptian, you think you're so smart? Even if she was alive and came here for, for a visit and it was a secret, I wouldn't say anything about it. Queen Tut, she'd be the one to give it away herself because she's a girl. I mean, she was. I mean, she would be if she wasn't a mummy. But girls can't be mummies because they can't keep still. Do you mean to say, I'm sure we're not saying a word, Walter, said his gentle mother. Scouts never give away secrets, Pee-wee continued voice-surfacely. Don't you know a scout's honor is to be trusted? It's one of the laws. Gee whiz. A scout's lips are, what'd you call it? They're sealed! Yours, laughed his sister. Yes, mine. Do you think I can't keep still? I wish you would then, Walter, said his mother. Well then, you better tell her not to say I'm as bad as the bugle. Because anyway, if anybody asks me not to give away a secret, it is just the same as if you locked it up in an iron box and buried it in the ground. That shows how much she knows about scouts. Even, even if you wouldn't let me bring my aerial through this room so as to get it out on the porch roof, even then I wouldn't tell anybody what she's going to wear at Mary Temple's. I wouldn't.
This diplomatic feeler intended to ascertain his sister's attitude in regarding to crossing her territory was successful. What do you mean bring your aerial through this room? she asked. Don't I have to get it out to the porch roof? he asked. Do you think I can carry it along the molding outside? Do you think I'm a, I'm, I'm a caterpillar? No, you mustn't do that, said his mother firmly. Well then, said Pee-wee contusively, gee whiz, both of you claim to like music and concerts and things. If I get my radio up, you can hear those things. Gee whiz, you can hear lectures and songs and all kinds of things. You can hear famous authors and actors and everything. All you have to do is come in my room and listen. Gee whiz, he added wistfully, you wouldn't catch me giving away a secret. No siree! Walter, said Elsie, trying to repress a smile, if I let you bring your things through here, will you promise me, word of honor, that you won't tell Roy Blakely or Westy Martin or Connie Bennett or any of their sisters or boys or girls in the school or anybody at all what kind of costume I'm going to wear at Temple's, the color of it or anything about it, or the snakes, or anything. Will you promise? Because it's going to be a big surprise. Do you know what a solemn vow is? Pee-wee demanded. Well, I've heard of them. Well, that's the kind of vow I make, said Pee-wee. And besides that, I cross my heart. No needn't worry, Elsie. Nobody will find out. Because anyways, scouts don't tell. Gee whiz! You leave it to me. Nobody will ever find out. That's sure. You can ask Roy Blakely if I can't keep a secret. Well, said Miss Harris, I think we better go down and have some lunch, and after that you can finish what you're doing. I do wish you wouldn't talk so loud, Walter. In about a week, maybe not so long, Pee-wee said, I won't be talking at all. I'll be listening all the time. I'll be listening to Chicago. Maybe even Honolulu, maybe. You sound as if you were talking to Honolulu, laughed Elsie. You remember what I said now? Absolutely, positively, and definitely, Pee-wee assured her. End of chapter 3 Recording by Guy 3 Dallas, Texas, 1987-1988